Hi, you guys. Welcome back to the Hardcore Sobriety Podcast with me, your host, Logan Slaughter, or when I'm cross-dressing, Logan Hardcore. Today, I am very excited to speak with someone who I followed their journey for a while because all the dolls are connected somehow and we all follow each other's eye candy that they tag. So I found Eddie Danger a long time ago. I have been following, enjoyed your um, Johnny McGovern interview. And then I saw something you posted about recovery that I wanted to talk to you about. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Eddie Danger. Hey, what's up, baby? How you doing? I'm good. Yeah, right. It's the screaming. The crowd is cheering. I mean, this nothing... It's literally like, at this point, it doesn't even phase me after doing online shows for two years. I'm so used to just making jokes to an empty room that it's frightening. You can add the applause in after the fact. Absolutely. Yes. If you think that I added that much, you have really given me a lot of credit. I am usually a one-take wonder, and whatever happens, we go. It's magic. That's what it is. Yes. So I just want to start by saying I didn't even know you were in recovery until I saw this post. Um, yeah. You know, the things I do know, I know that you're a go-go dancer. I know that you have, you're very open with your sex work. Um, you know, I know all of the things that you show online. And I guess somewhere in between all of that, I missed that you are in recovery. So if you want to tell everyone a little bit about your story that you're willing to and how you got to a place of recovery. (laughs) Yeah, well, I got struck by lightning, baby. So I'm not really a person to really be um, uh, modeling your sobriety after. I might I might actually uh, uh, help some people with an alternative route. But I definitely uh, I, I, I definitely had an epiphany moment. And that's. I'm not sure if it's a part of everybody's story, but it's certainly a part of mine. So, um, okay, well, I've been, I I started dancing and uh, when I was like pretty young and it turned into something that became like a side hustle, taking the place of the jobs that I could take so I could stay in school. And it earned me enough money to kind of just get by. But, um, uh, you know, with boys, (laughs) with, uh, with, you know, the boys like we all get um we have our moment and then we fizzle out because we're young and um you know they they don't you know once the youth begins to expire that's when the attention starts to diminish and um what happened was i had this kind of a monopoly in my in my little um uh nude male dancing world at secrets in dc and and i was enjoying myself like i worked five nights a week um dancing naked on a box and doing acrobatics on a chain and And that was a nice time. And then what happened was my manager started to pull back a little bit and he was like, no, 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 we can't do favoritism like that. So um, we're going to start cutting your hours. And I got a little stunned by that. Oh my God, what happened? And I was sober. Like I never touched a drop of liquor or never smoked weed, never did nothing um, until um, this point in my life. So every day I would show up at work and I was very professional and I was like, I'm going to show my cock and hold the people, but I'm going to do it with intent, baby. And, uh, <laughs> um, I was so into it, but, but it was, it was not a, like a part of my identity and the way that it became. And so what happened was as I, I, I 
I split off from it. I said, I got to figure out a new way of living. And I got a job working at a, an adult novelty shop, um, <laughs> you know, because I, I had finished grad school. I hadn't worked. I hadn't like started to maneuver. I, I didn't even know where to go to start an office life here at, in this wonderful city of Washington, D.C. And it, it kind of taxes you. So I got pulled out of the world for a minute. And um, and and when that happened, uh, that's when kind of the, the path Passive alcoholic tendencies that I began to acquire while I was going through this separation between myself and my nightclub, I found it hard for me to get work done when I wasn't in my regular um, uh, flow of things. So, um, it, say, say, as I began to finish my my master's degree, I would slip some vodka <laughs> into my drinks, and I never drank in at work when I was dancing. Um, but I, I I found that kind of slipping into like. Uh, a more emotional part of me. And so when I returned back to um, dancing uh, after a, a little bit of time away and enough to really cement my, my dependency to, um, to substances that would allow me to unlock focus and, and, um, and not be so fixated. You know, it's, it's like the, the, the real drug is excitement and adrenaline, you know, and that's what it started as with, uh, with being a dancer because I would spin around completely or, or things would be kind of terrifying. Like I'm exposing myself to 3000 people with my flaccid penis out and, and doing a beer bong for fun and doing a show for people. You know, these were like yeah. one man shows where I stripped down to nothing. <laughs> but, um, but when I returned, I, I found that it was very difficult uh, now being a conscious human and not being kind of lost in the excitement. I was returning. I was like coming back feeling some kind of way because my, my hours had been uh, 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 cut initially to the point where I couldn't survive basically just dancing. So I had to quit and focus all my energy on something else because I don't know if, 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 um, if uh, this is relatable, but it's nearly impossible to maintain both a full-time office job and a full-time stripping job and still get some sleep, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I started to drink more and, and then as, as my, uh, my life began to become more of this thing where I am the a dancer. I am a somebody. I am a this. Like it, it started to veer into. We're gonna spend more time making this a party. I was looking for more experiences. Like like I never took anybody home from the club before because I was sober and I was like there to do work. But this time, this was about fun. And yeah. also, I had this arsenal of 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 creative juice, this vodka that I would pour into all my all my uh, my my literary papers with my masters, <laughs> and it took over. So say um, with somebody who, who has depression and feels a, a fair amount of abandonment issues, my family that I couldn't separate myself from was this, this gay community and the folks that patronize this specific club. So that became a part of me, you know, um, I, I wanted to go out there and have fun. And it was just kind of gradual, like I would just like, oh, well, Friday, Saturday night, I'll go get wasted and carry on and have fun. And then it turned into, um, uh, hey, I'm uh, really fucking desperate for money, <laughs> so I'm going to continue to start paying. I'm going to continue to pay off these these student loans that I had. And this all kind of took over. Now, when things took off with Hey Queen, that was when I was kind of at the lowest point of my life because I was like, oh, shit, like I, I don't know what to do. I just spent all this money on a, on, a, on a college education that I'm not really using. I don't plan on using it. I don't want to do this. I'm enjoying myself a little bit. I got lost in the sauce, baby. And then as I, as I began to venture out, 
the introvert within me who does deal with depression and abandonment issues and all this other baggage that I hadn't dealt with came crawling out. <laughs> it's like the extrovert could, was empowered by the love that I felt when I was drunk around people in the community that I identified with. And that means drag queens, uh, uh, male porn stars, uh, all the, all the, um, the nightclub owners, the showrunners and all those folks. And, and they became my family. But also I found that my anxiety of, of taking risks began to diminish also. So I would just go out into the world and I'd be like, Hey guys, I'm let, where's the drinks let's have fun and and you know i know that was a long-winded introduction but i believe the process that that indoctrinates you into thinking that alcoholism is totally fine it's it's gradual it it starts it, it's not just it's not just a straight-up addiction that gets you all at once there's a lot of things packed into it which brings me to the point that i was making on that post that you were referring to um so it's social you know like yeah. the, the the epitome of our big problem as nightclub uh personalities is that we sell liquor like these are nightclubs we i don't function well in in circuit parties that have ghb involved because i just don't get it i don't like people dying <laughs> i don't like dragging my my compadre go-go dancers out of the club um but because they've done too much of it um liquor was a little more manageable you would see some bad sides of people but but um, but it was never to the scope of that. So I understood that liquor was totally fine, and it took me all over the country, really, uh, based on this mania. So before I filmed Hey Queen, I would be drinking and carrying on. Before I would like go out on stage, I would be drinking and carrying on. The person that people saw on stage was the 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 epitome of of that whiplash. Um, uh, 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 I, I, this addiction to excitement, it's this, this uh, bombastic uh, persona that I, I could keep in when I wasn't uh, allowed, allowing myself to, to run free. And I think that's why people liked me for the most part. I, yeah. I, that, was, that was my conception is that people enjoyed me because I, I did have an intellectualism to me. I could look a certain way, but also I knew how to play the part and I knew how to do it all under the, uh, under the influence of alcohol. And that was totally fine. It made me more jovial. It made people more open to to um, to uh, to just uh, to open themselves up to me as a stranger. Like say, so I'm flying to Los Angeles, and all of a sudden I'm surrounded by people that I've seen on the internet and like all over the place. And I'm like, oh my god, there's that person over there. Whoa, I can't believe she's in this club too. And luckily, since we were all sharing this liquor experience, we could bond and we could great we could we could create all these like networking connections and, and it took over my life to such a degree that uh, even even hiding from my own vulnerability at when I was at home it was like I need to maintain being this personality like I need to be a fun guy and uh, and well I got struck by lightning when you talk about recovery um, so I kind of had it you know, I, I was getting very depressed. I was very alone. Um, the pandemic had just begun and I was like, the life sucked. I wasn't, I was working in my fucking cubicle for, for, uh, for a really horrible wage. So I don't know if you, I don't know, uh, if, if sub, if sub or resort the same way, uh, where you are but in this city, it's like, 
expensive as fuck to even more expensive. So the 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 big trade-off that you make if you're living a, a daily life <laughs> in the real world, not in a nightclub, is that you have to work, you have to drive to work and drive from work in that crazy rush hour traffic. And the closer you get to the city, the more they're gonna fucking break your balls. So if you if you're if, so when this when all this money stuff happened and I had to build myself from the ground up, I had this whole personality that I was really making money on, what, which was the dancing and the born and all that shit. And then I was having this emerging life coming up. But I would drive to work an hour and a half because I couldn't afford to live close to the city and an hour and a half back. And once I got home, I hit the bottle, baby, because all I wanted to do was. Like, let's just get back to sleep. Let's do it again. Let's get drink some more, get back to sleep so I can get out on stage, make some money, and then hopefully get out of this mess. It was a trap, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, so I was like, okay, this has been going on for five years. Um, all this like uh, alcoholism. And I really wasn't talking about it because it was a part of our lives. You know, I think one thing that people don't really um, uh, uh, consider is how, how, even speaking up about alcoholism is kind of something that you want to be a little, mm, I don't know if I should really say this person has a problem because they work in a nightclub, they're selling liquors, they, they, they fucking hold up the shot glass, they give out shots for free, like they're enabling and that's a part of the job, like because uh -huh. bars make money, you know? Yo, and yes. uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm left to myself. It, during the pandemic and I had been experimenting in a lot of different ways of dragging myself out of depression and, and, and all this mess that I had gotten myself into. And one day I literally just got, I felt like I got struck by lightning and I, um, I was, uh, analyzing myself, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I just, I drove myself into the ground. And, uh, and so I was laying there one day and I, I went rooting through my closet, which was, it was a tiny apartment at the time. And I went rooting through my closet. I found this picture of myself. I used to have trichotillomania when I was a kid. That's a, a condition, like, a, I don't know if it's psychological or whatever, but it's where you rip out your own hair. Uh -huh. And um, and I have pictures of myself when I was that age. And I was like relentlessly bullied at the time for being this way and, and having these issues. And I was just kind of like, well, maybe I'm being too hard on myself with this whole problem with alcoholism. Maybe there's a whole lot that I need to unpack. And that it's not just a matter of stopping the, the consumption of alcohol. It's about rebooting the entire life, the entire framework of thinking, because I've got to get to the point where I can detox enough to enjoy working out again. <laughs> so, yes. so I'm not sweating vodka all the time. And so I'm not waking up miserable. And so that commute to work isn't an hour and a half of me with a hangover. And so, so maybe if, if the drive gets a little better, then maybe I won't be so fucking fixated on on um on uh, on on self-medicating when I get home just to pass the time or feel some emotion that wasn't disappointment and sadness and so yeah so what ends up happening is I get a new job um during the pandemic because it gives me a lot of time to reformat my resume and I'm just like okay I've kept this ship afloat for long enough and you know what I think I'm going to close that whole book on the um on the on this on the dancing now one thing i left out is the fact that my last gig was at, in new orleans for mardi gras like a like a seven day stint in 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 mardi gras right before covid where the, everything was open people were shoving and pushing seven days of drinking and me fucking everybody i could find yes. <laughs> um and uh 
and and that happened. And then I got deathly sick with something. I'm not sure what it was, but I had a gig in Denver. So I ran out to Denver and did that. And when I got home, that's when the pandemic started. And I came back so fucking beat up from those seven days of drinking. And this is years and years that it's not... It's not that this is like when people say, oh, I didn't realize you had a problem. I don't think anybody really has a problem until they identify it as a problem. Yeah. And so, you know, and so I was like, I was like, I'm just that's life. I mean, of course, like I, w- I would always think, oh, I drink too much. I drink too much. But I didn't realize how much it really took out of me until I started to fit like to, to wean off. And just one day I said, I'm done with this bullshit. I looked in the mirror and I saw a man with with pecs and abs. And I was like, that's going to change. It's just going to take a little bit of time, <laughs> but I'm going to hang in there because I know I can do it. And, uh, and yeah, it's been a completely miserable experience, but I'm on the other side of it. And I just got on a TV show. So, uh, so fuck you people. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, yes. Yes. So I, one thing. And, and also one thing that people don't realize is that like, okay, um, when you're a big disaster, there's a mythology around that. There's a glamorization about being a mess. Like people want you to be a mess. Like we see this thing. Okay. I, I feel like I can talk about this. You know, Tatiana. Yes. So I, I was like, of course I had an alternative opinion because I am very sympathetic to people. So Tatiana was in our, like, she lives here. She's in DC and she went down to some other club somewhere. And she was, she was being a train wreck. This was a while ago. I don't know how she's feeling right now, what's going on with her. But at the time I said, you people want your nightlife people to be crazy. You want us to be nuts. Like you invite, you got, you bring us into your city, you fill us up with liquor, you give us all the drugs we want. I haven't, you know, that's not really in my rider, but like, if you want, if, if they want to partake, Fabius there. So yeah. what happens is these people act a train wreck. And then you've got all these like local folks that are like, oh, she's a train wreck. She, you made her that way, you know, mm-hmm. and they enable this behavior because they want that. They want the mess. They want to be in the room when something crazy happens so they can report to all their friends and feel special. You know, yes. that's a thing. So it's like you don't even realize that that's what's happening. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I saw a lot of that with the drag race girls because, you know, I've been in New York. So seeing like how it even changed from season one, because I worked out on Fire Island for 15 years and we would bring the winner of Drag Race would do the absolute tour. So they would come out to Fire Island. And I remember we had BB, we had Sharon, we had um, Raja. Raja was one of my favorites. And then we had people just like Pandora and Latrice and all of them. But like to see... You know, there's a part of me that totally understands people want to see their gay celebrities do something crazy. There's also a part of me that some of these fucking people really believe their own shit. Like Sharon believed her own shit and like was on stage in Fire Island saying the N word and saying that everyone had AIDS and like that wasn't people that wasn't anyone pushing her to do that. That's just Sharon. And so, you know, there's a part of it that's, I totally understand what you mean about, we all do, we all- I think we're losing connection. Oh no, are we? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I live like at the bottom of a hill, so internet can be shaped. Well, I think, I think we're- Are we back? 
It's okay. Well, okay. Well, let's just give it a minute, and I could, I could, I could say, uh, say so. Okay, we're good. Um, yes, I, that, I agree. So this is why, like, my, my, I think my opinion was a little bit weird at the time for people to digest. But I think that that does, it, like, that does factor into how people maintain this, 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 uh, this self-destructive lifestyle. You know, because it's just one of those things people want to be there in the room everybody's got a story about this person everybody's got a Sharon Needle story I started to be the kind of person that people go on hey queen and say oh Eddie he, he was you got to hear what this shit was you know yeah. and they would start to tell stories about that now of course I wouldn't remember so I can't I can't it's not like I was out of control either like I was a very functional alcoholic which uh-huh. is also another reason why it's hard to say that you're an alcoholic because that's what happens like you, I you totally just, get it you say I can drive or, or, or yeah, I, I'm totally fine. I'm making rational decisions and they are rational, but the irrational things maybe come when you're not prepared to be functioning. So yeah. like the irrational uh, behavior comes out when somebody's trying to keep you away from drinking and, and finding your release, as opposed to when you're in a nightclub and you're on high alert for like people who may be perceiving you a certain way, you're going to act right. Because just like in high school, when you were, oh shit, the cops are here, put the weed away, you know, yeah. it's, it's same thing. So when you go out into your real world, you're just like, yeah, it doesn't matter. I can be a mess. I can break up with people. I can, you know, you could just generally treat people like they're disposable. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I mean, I, I understand that people do have legitimate psychological kind of conditions that, that, that would have their own, um, uh, 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 like I, I, I can't speak specifically, and you know, even my situation's fucking weird because it's not something where I went into a program. I literally just said, uh, "Okay, so there's a bottle in my fridge, and I'm not gonna touch it," <laughs> you know, and and I'm going to uh, start eating vegan. And I don't really know why that happened. Um, at a certain point, I went and I had another bit of a, a, a bender in um, when I got home from. Uh, uh, New Orleans. Um, when I got home, I, I needed a vacation. I took myself to Hullover Beach, the nude beach, and I just I had the best time driving myself right into the ground. Yeah. And I allowed myself to do that. And I think that's important. You need to have some time, in my opinion, of meditation where you're left to be a rock bottom fucking mess. And you can just sit there and s- stare at yourself being like, this is the man I've become. Uh-huh. Maybe that's not where I'm going to die. <laughs> I don't want to die this way. Yeah, um, and that's a really controversial opinion that I share. I think yeah. that people need to experience rock bottom. I think, um, I mean, mine was horrible. I was in, yeah. pro- in P-Town with my husband and our best friends. I had Grinder on my phone and all of this shit. And I woke up to my husband being like, we're getting a divorce. And I moved out of the house we were in into a hotel and had a 24-hour free-for-all and, like, woke up at the end of that and was like, what the fuck have I done? Everything in my life is now gone. Like, this can all be gone quickly. And, like, I had to experience that because I didn't think I had a problem. I had thought, do I drink too much? Do am I why am I known as the party person? Why am I the one that all the girls come to town looking for because they know that I can get the drugs and have the fun? Yeah. Especially out on Fire Island. But you know, <laughs> what you said was it's not a problem until it's identified as a problem. Yeah. And that was that's very true. And I think, you know, a lot of people would be like, it's not great to 
glamorize people hitting their bottom, but like, mm-hmm. I, I'm not glamorizing it, but I am saying people need to feel it because I well, don't. I think the, the glamor, the, the part that's glamorized in my opinion, is historical construct here um especially with um i remember reading a book when i was pretty young it was about like some guy was talking about the replacements the band and somebody was like the lead singer left his cigarette butt on the on the ashtray and i kept that cigarette butt because it was authentic now people marry this authenticity of nightclub antics the way they assume things are. I was a mess like Kesha in her prime. Like people turn that into the authentic and they say, this is my authentic experience. I got wasted. I got in a fight. And this is like, oh yeah. So, oh, I'm going to go see, um, I'm going to go see uh, like a, like some, some drag race performer that's like known for, uh, for being a party animal. Yeah. We're going to get fucked up and have fun. Yeah. That's authentic. You know? So that's what I think is the glamorized part where they're just like, oh, this, there's something really fun and mysterious about this person who's a total train wreck and we're just going to sit here and observe it and, and encourage that sort of behavior. I don't think the rock bottom is necessarily glamorized because it's one of those things where you always say, Oh, that was horrible. Yeah. And usually it comes with a repercussion that's like sometimes irreversible. So I think, I don't know if the rock bottom is necessarily. It's the road to rock bottom. Yeah. It's it's all that shit where you, where you watch friends slip away and you watch like experiences get sour or you walk away feeling uh, ashamed of yourself um, in, in ways that, that you don't even understand why you're ashamed of yourself. You know, Um, like I can't figure out why I feel like I really didn't do very well in that scenario, but, but I know I fucked up. <laughs> yes. I wish I was there to experience that a, a different way, but that, but also I think that I needed all of that time. So I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not mad about my, my years that I spent drinking and carrying on like that. I needed to hear people call me fat and out of shape on, on, in the comment section. I needed to hear all this shit. I needed people to tell me I had STDs all over the internet. And, um, and it's just, it's a simple fact that some people, some of us grow up a different way. You know, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you need to get smacked in the face a few times. You got to drive your plane right into the ground and, and then you pick up the pieces. I, I'm kind of a, an intense person like that. I, I, I take things to extreme and sometimes yeah. that, that, that's, that extreme is what moves me on to other things. And, and, um, and I mean, honestly, I didn't see this whole show coming up. I didn't see, and I've got a lot of stuff coming up right now. And I'm, I didn't see any of that happening. I honestly, it was like the fantasy is somewhere in the future when I get there, but I don't know when I'm going to get there. And frankly, I think I'm too scared to do all that shit. So Mm -hmm. it's probably good that I sit here and drink, (laughs) you know, but it's like I said, it's not like a ritual, you know, It, it was a ritual. I think sometimes like if, you know, when I would drive home, but, but alcoholism was like a, I want to feel like somebody loves me. So I'm going to go over to, to, to JR's and I'm going to sit there and huff a bunch of cigarettes and, and, and drink a bunch. And people are going to come over and say, Oh, there's the porn guy, blah, 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 blah. He's fun. And then I'll sit there and have deep conversations social. So the biggest problem that I've been trying to tackle is the fact that I'm simply not the same person when the, when after the alcohol and whatever I've done to my brain has the, the, the grip that it has slips away, you start to think I have anxiety around people. I have attachment issues. I have codependent habits. Like there's a lot of shit that I've got to deal with that, that influences how I function. And it's not as easy as, um, 
uh, when I'm drunk, I'm happy. Or, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of weird bullshit that goes on. So, so I pull myself out of the nightclub. Pandemic starts. Easy. It's fine. I got a reason to not show up all, this, all of a sudden. So I got lucky in the sense that, like, the shutdown happened exactly when I was having this, this um, uh-huh. kind of epiphany with myself. And then as you just start to say, well, I guess my friends are gone. Then they then they're then they're gone. And for me, it, I was I, like I said. I mean, it's not fortunate that the pandemic happened, but it's fortunate that that this all kind of converged at once because uh, lightning, lightning at that moment. And then from that point on, I've been a totally different person. Yeah. And um, even down to and I hope this can can elaborate on what what alcohol does to you um in the sense of diet, the way diet like being a having a diet works. I've been eating clean. Uh, I, if I do have meat, it's in, it's in like, like once a week, not even I will avoid it at all costs. I drink water all the time. I got these bang energy drinks, but that's my little vice. Um, but regardless, I try to eat something that's sweet or dairy tastes like garbage, baby. You know, like I try to smoke an actual cigarette. I want to puke. You know, if I touch liquor to my lips, I feel like this is poison now, you know? Yeah, and it's it's and for that whole like overhaul of all of your values, like so let me put this into perspective with with bodies. So I have shredded now, like I really lost a fuck ton of weight after 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 drinking. Well, the cycle exists there too. People want to lose weight. And I certainly did at the time. I wanted to look like all the cute boys that were running around so I could get a decent booking fee and maybe succeed in the world. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck I was doing, but the, 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 um, the, the, well, here's a ritual for you. So, so you drink all night, you have a blast, you get some bullshit, you wake up kind of hungover. Oh my God, I don't feel, or like, or like you go have a great night three, uh, until three in the morning come back home what are you eating what's open pizza let's have some fucking pizza yeah so then you're cramming pizza in your face and then you've already drank a bunch of alcohol you wake up pizza's totally fine in your body uh, uh liquors are totally fine in your body you feel like garbage because you just ingested all this stuff but but once you're once you don't do that anymore the entire habit of i'm too lazy i'm gonna go out to eat that slips away um you know because you have this energy all of a sudden things don't taste as good so yeah. then all of a sudden you're like water's great i like working out because i can i'm not sweating like 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 a like a disgusting nasty. detox sweats yeah it's it's not gross it, this is fun and i'm enjoying myself but it's like if for your brain to make that type of shift it, over a single thing like this is the inclusion of alcohol that's what you can pin it down to it's like this one thing keeps me um, uh, keeps me socially um, <laughs> socially available, but uh, but also it's a part of a larger structure that keeps my body kind of like my in my consideration of my mind. My body is not a temple; it's more like a thing that I fuck around with. You know, like every so often you'll you'll have like risky sex because you're not thinking so much, and then the repercussions that come with that. Maybe you'll get the clap. Maybe you'll get some gonorrhea. Who knows? But you take a lot more risks when these when your brain is clouded. And you're yeah. in a different, a distant, different system of thought as like as opposed to where I am right now, where I am 
everything's planned out and regimented and I'm living this code of honor, which is very uncomfortable, but it's, it's, it's something that you have to stick by, you know, to, to maintain like a, a, a kind uh, sense, sense in the world, you know, absolutely. <laughs> Your personality shifts completely, and then you have to start figuring out who you are and how you function in society, and that's been the weirdest part for me, you know, like going to nightclubs sober doing these gigs. It's like I'll have people coming up to me crying or like saying some other shit, but because they're on a different psychological level than me because they've been drinking they're jovial, they're carrying on, and I'm just fighting for my life. I just want to get the hell out of there. Just leave a good impression and get get out. So I want to do my show and hit it. There is no more of the. It's a it's a business. It used to be a party, and yeah, you know, I don't think people understand the complete overhaul that happens when you take this one thing out of your life. Absolutely, because everything changes, and I mean, Mm -hmm. every I'm talking about everything from your routine to your social circle, to me and my husband's relationship, to my job, because I work in a bar, like, and I was known as the messy person. Like, I built a career upon being the girl that everyone was like, well, she's a mess, but she's a good time. So I had to like refigure out how to now transition into the very vocal sober girl. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And you have to atone for your transgressions. And that's a whole other issue. I know, I know the um, uh, uh, AA people have their own system of doing this yeah. stuff. I mean, I've been holding my, myself to task for a long time. And it's that it's that there's an endless pressure now. You know, like you don't want, like you want to be the perfect person. And that's, uh, I'm sure, inevitably an obstacle that you want, that you have to get over, but you want to make it up to people. You still work in a bar. Uh, I'm sure every so often you say, I'm going to be extra meticulous just because they know me historically as being kind of um, uh, unreliable. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I just, I really understood what you wrote at the very end of that Facebook post where you said, if you think I'm becoming one note over discussing this ad nauseum, there are plenty of more guys who look just like me that you can follow. (laughs) So have fun with them. I have a tendency to share what I found. And I think it's so just because I am so vocal about it because I know, and I can't, I'm not going to be the person that shakes people and be like, you have a problem. Right. Like I have to be vocal about it because I do know that it's making people take a look in the mirror and hopefully seeing some sort, if there is a problem, they're able to at least look in the mirror and say, is, does any of this apply to me? Maybe I'm not a full blown alcoholic, but does something in this resonate with me? Am I working in nightlife just so that I can drink and do drugs? And then all of this, like there's so much of it that, you know, I've had people that work in work in the bars be like, can you shut the fuck up? Like you used to be on stage doing cocaine <laughs> and drinking. And I say, you never cared then that I talked about it, but now you care that I don't talk about it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it says a lot more about people than it says about those of us that are vocal. And, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, for me, I, it's it's been weird. Um, I just went through a breakup. 
And, um, and I think the, the, the culmination of the last two years of my life have been kind of in that post somewhere. Um, I mean, I'm a writer, like I've, i historically, I've always been a writer. I've, I've written for publications and shit. Um, so I, I, I know I have a gift. I can interpret things to people in a way that they can understand. Sometimes it's long winded and sometimes it's not, but every time I step on my soapbox these days, there's a whole lot of don't body shame fucking with people um uh here's some perspectives that you haven't considered about alcoholism and sobriety shut the fuck up um this you know and so i'll like go in and i'll be like oh this is a pocket that i haven't heard discussed and this is something that's really bothering me right now and in in the context of my this relationship that i had uh, <clears throat> it is uh lonely to be to be sober because you're on that journey alone mm -hmm. um the atoning for your past transgressions it's heartbreaking non-stop it doesn't it does it, it doesn't let up you know um everybody that you you perceive that you've heard in the past you're not going to feel better about it all you can do is try to make things right and then of course even within that even when you go to apologize to people that you've done wrong you think about it and you say Am I doing this? Am I contacting this person in a constructive way that's going to help them too? Or am I just inserting myself where I'm not wanted? And yeah. that's a whole other aspect is this alienation that, that, that we feel <clears throat> as being somebody who's been through something that's kind of like out of our control. And I know people would be like, oh, just stop drinking or whatever. But the thing is, your entire uh, thought pattern is affected by this shit. You know, like it's, 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 it's social. You lose all your friends. Your system of value is married to nightclubs and carrying on. There's a whole lot of shit that's going on. So when I lost that, I was sitting here and I was like, I'm stuck in this brain. I have this porn career that I can't escape. I wasn't trying to, but I knew that I would have to encounter that eventually in a very sober way and then see where I can go from that. You know, because then your brain, as your brain is, 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 is becoming who you really are, having been through this process, you got to say, Em, is that the kind of person who wants to make porn? Is that the kind of person who enjoys being on stage? Was the reason I was drinking while I was performing because I'm uncomfortable and this whole thing's like not really what I'm into? Yeah. Why was I doing that? And, and that's why I started our, our discussion by mentioning that I used to be sober and the whiplash and the, and the adulation and the excitement was, was what got me. It was like all of this, like I could be a club rat, I could be fun, but I was sober and I could be fit and I was in really incredible shape back then and I could make conscious efforts and, and, and move forward. But you can't do that for your whole adult life. And that's why when this shift happened and like as things became more normalized for me, the liquor began, uh, the, the me as a nightclub person began to take hold as opposed to the person who was just out there trying to have fun. So um, now it's about re like figuring out if the person that I've become is the person that can exist in the body and the in the culture that I was in before I made this transition. And the problem with um, with isolating yourself from all these people that you used to that you said enable, I wouldn't blame them for it, but I would I would uh, they are part of a larger structure that was enabling. And um, and I would find myself I I where who, who do I go to? Who do I talk to? Who can I open up to? Um, who cares? You know, um, yeah. uh, I want to I want to like who is going to listen to me talk about my my dietary um, 
concerns right now. Who's going to listen? Nobody wants to hear from a sober person. Like they want to hear about a fucked up mess, especially when it comes to a porn actor, because honestly, like I'm not all that sexual. Like when I'm not having sex, like I'll ask some weird questions, but I'm not a pervert. I have a fucking master's in feminist literary theory. I know how to talk about fucking genitals and human bodies and sexuality, how things getting out of hand, emotional, like this is what I do. So it's like, I can talk about the theoretics of sex, but it's not the way it is to other people a lot. And so that, that division is amplified because as my brain function improves and I become to the, I, I, I wake up from this days that I've been in for forever. I start to think, is porn really the way, you know, do I want to be traveling all over the country, getting my foot sucked on? Like, I, I don't know if that, that like the measly thousand dollars there is really worth giving up my day job, you know, (laughs) but, but back to this, this, um, this relationship I was telling you about, I was, I was out of this and I was trying to find my footing in this, in this world. And, and honestly, like I had stripped away all of, I I lost all of my hobbies. I lost all my athletic abilities. Uh, Who are you? when you lose everything that you love in terms of like, I don't have a family. Um, I, it's me alone, me and my dog out here in DC and just trying to make it through the world, you know? Um, and so w- with that consideration, I met this person who, who reintroduced me into the night club, the nightlife and not really so much introduced me, but more gave me um, kind of a, a, a cushioning, you know, from the outside world, I can encounter the universe if somebody's there that understands me and where I am right now, it makes it, it this is okay. So when that ended, I, I was suddenly conflicted with this whole thing where it's like, wow, like this is fucking lonely. Um, dealing with emotions without being able to escape them by like a chemical substance is rough. Um, you have to encounter a lot. You have to ask the big questions, which would otherwise usually spiral into rationalization and justification for any sort of way. You know, you're just like, oh, well, I'm like this way. That's just who I am instead of sitting there and being like, okay, well, I've rebooted my life. Do I actually want what I was after? Um, was this relationship built on something that I assumed that I liked because um, because I enjoyed it when I, w- I had a drinking problem? Or was it built on... Um, uh, 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 maybe uh, uh, wishful thinking, you know, like maybe I can exist in this world or, yeah. or maybe, maybe these, this set of values was appropriate for a, for a different type of, a different version of me. But the reason why this isn't working in my life is because things are, um, are, I'm, I'm still working on myself. And that's, I think that people don't understand that they don't give enough leeway to people who've lost everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, 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 and I'm not saying I'm a victim here, but there's, there's, there's a certain um, delicacy that I think people need to treat sober folks with because we don't function in this. In the, I have to sit there and answer why I'm not having a drink every time I'm in a bar. Yeah. Like, the, and, and that's also like, why aren't you hanging out with these people? Well, because they want to go have fun and party. And when they get drunk, I get annoyed by them yes. because I'm person anymore and like and and so it's just it's it's super isolating and the intent of that post was to be like this shit is fucked up um even beyond um just like you know cleansing your body you have to you have to go through a lot of fucking torture afterward and and uh, hopefully you can find it within yourself to rebuild you know and that's what i've done um in in a roundabout way i like i said this is all luck 
I can't, I can't uh-huh. say that I've been strong at all. I got in a lucky situation where pandemic stopped this thing, cut off all my friends, uh, allowed me to sit there and be selfish and work on myself yeah. in a way that I think a lot of people have that open space. And then on top of that, like I got all these opportunities just when I was getting the hang of like trying to live this sober life. And then I went and I filmed a bunch of shit and here I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just before we wrap up, do you bring it up that you went and filmed? You guys just announced the TV show. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? I don't yeah, know what you're allowed okay. to say, but let's for sure. I mean, I saw the I saw the promo of it, like all the, the picture. And I was like, oh, yes. Excuse me. Um, Okay, so go go for the gold. Um, uh, actually, a lot of things happened all at once for me. Um, I, I, um, uh, work was crazy. Life is a fucked up mess, and I, I got an opportunity to go um, do a little bit of traveling, so to speak, um, because I, I was, uh, I was, I, I saw an advertisement. <laughs> Um, anyway, so they were filming some stuff out, out in Los Angeles and I had to stop somewhere else to film something first, but I took enough time out of my, um, of my, uh, of my life to go film this competition reality show. <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 although I'm a, um, uh, a, a sober man, it, it hasn't made me, um, uh, too good to do anything, you know? And so, uh, officially <laughs> I, I put myself in like almost a halfway house. It was a hostel. I, I put myself in a hostel for um, the duration of filming. And it, in that hostel, like I've done this before. Every time I would fly out for Hey Queen, I would desperately try to crash on somebody's couch. But for the most part, if I had a lot of shit going on, like I had a ton of gigs and I couldn't like say, I'm going to spend some time at least hanging out with you. And thanking you by giving, by sharing a moment. Yeah. If I didn't have that much time, I would just go in a hostel. And the problem with hostels is that they stack fucking fifty people high, mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 a lot of them are very down on their luck. So as I was filming this show, I was going back to a very hostile, like kind of um, like creepy uh, uh-huh. uh, uh, hostel. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know how to explain it, but this guy was trying to kick my ass every single day because he saw me coming and going and he didn't like how much I smiled. Oh like there, there were physical, like he chased me down the road one time. But yeah, so anyway, so I was staying in this hostel and then I was going to film and and I, like I got to tell you, the whole thing is is very fun. Uh, but I hope that people realize that when I'm when I'm presenting in the show, I've been through a lot. I <laughs> I uh, I was uh, I'm, I'm uh, I was newly sober, so to speak. So still finding my footing. And uh, uh, but but very intentional. Everything I did had intent. And uh, and I think I'm very proud of it. It's a go go competition reality show um, that has male strippers from all over the country competing to see who's number one who is the number one go-go all-star some i love it (laughs) (laughs) and the fact that you are giving us foreshadowing of please know that i was being attacked at a hostel and newly (laughs) sober makes me that much more excited to watch what the hell is going to happen plus i love plus i love season one of anything because it literally is just like here we go Oh, I love it. I love it. 
Well, yeah, I, I, and I, I went in there with the same understanding that like, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. This has never been done before. I mean, we've seen the Magic Mike show. We've seen like similar shows where they're like, here's fucking five hunky men living in an apartment. But like, it's never basically drag race, you know, it's like. Drag you know, race for strippers. I it, live. But I want to say something about this. There is this, there is this, um, it, it means a lot to us as performers to have that moment of the, the cast reveal, you know, yeah. um, it's, it's a sacrament to us at this point, because like all throughout my, my career, um, the, in the backdrop was RuPaul's Drag Race growing. I, I started around Manila Luzon's time, maybe a little before that. And I watched as like things would happen. And then, oh, I know that girl. Oh, I know that girl. Yeah. Oh, I know it's going to happen every single year a cast reveal and every single year somebody got their moment you were like do it fuck yeah and so it was just really nice to get that little pat on the back for my community after all that i've been through and the, and the amount of hours i've been doing this for over a decade way over a decade at this point i i put my hours in damn it yes. and to have that moment was enough to be like as a stripper like male strippers don't get that sort of i like, think I it's mean, fantastic like, well, they get love, but they don't get like respect, you know? And yeah. I feel like I earned the respect of a lot of people who maybe had counted me out or maybe who had thought that the impression that they were left with when I was deep and in, deeply entrenched in alcoholism, may, maybe that's just the way I was going to end my story. So it's yeah. just nice to rejuvenation. Well, and now I'm doing the chains and all that. I'm very excited about it. And I'm going to be watching and I will put the information in the bio of this. Do you want to tell everyone your Instagram it's where they can follow you online and everything? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you can go on Twitter if you want to see my cock and balls um, on uh, at Eddie dangerous because <laughs> they took Eddie danger. I had to, I had to snag that. Yeah. Up from <laughs> yeah dangerous. Something like that. Peligroso. Um, so then I went to uh, and, and, uh, Instagram as Eddie Danger. And if you want to go on Pornhub, just type in Eddie Danger and you'll watch me banging a bunch of girls. And and uh, I keep the gay stuff like usually on my just for fans because I know it's uh, it's good. There's one video, one one pretty quality video up on my Pornhub that's gay. And I'm very proud of it. But uh, that's just a sampling of what you would see over on the just for fans. Because, hey, let me tell you, these people have burned me way too many times, the gay porn industry. So I try to keep that shit close to the vest now, you know? Well, Listen, we all do what we got to do. And I have to say, thank you so much. We've been trying to get this together for a week or so, and I'm glad we <laughs> found time. I think you are so well-spoken and, thank like, you. you know, you talk about being a writer and everything, and it just comes across, like, from your post to the way you present, the way you speak. I appreciate it. I appreciate people that have different views about recovery than other people, because I think people should hear all different views and aspects. So I really appreciate you taking time today. And yeah. I look forward to watching you go-go for the gold. Yes, thank <laughs> you. And I got to say one thing, as it might be unexpected that I'm well-spoken as a male stripper and professional cock and asshole, I wasn't expecting you to be such a handsome boy. Oh, well, thank Jesus. you. Wow. Thank you. Lucky man you got there. Yeah, listen, I'm the lucky one. He puts up with all this <laughs> shit, so... <laughs> Well, I, I, I mean, I, I think you've done very well. So, and you know, it's cool to be able to talk about this stuff and, and, and still maintain your persona, you know, like that's, if we can squeeze that in somehow, Hey guys, Listen, they, 
if you want to do what I do, hey, I'm, I'm not special. You can do it too. All you got to do is maybe say this whole structure that I was a part of, you know, this whole drinking and carrying on, maybe put down the cocaine or something, maybe put it down and then, and then you'll be able to like dance and, and possibly. sing. And, I've seen people on cocaine. I think so, it might help some people because some of the go-go boys <laughs> in New York are frightening with or without it. Right. <laughs> No yeah, names. You know, you know, I just I, I never had like a lot of experience with go-go boys there. I mean, I worked at the vault one night, but it was never it was like it seemed like just a bunch of featured porn guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're not historically dancers. No. So I don't know. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on.